Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Unlocked, the podcast that inspires you to create a successful, happy and positive life and to live the best version of you. Hosted by me, Ricky Locke, professional magician, speaker, trainer and a man who has climbed the deepest, darkest of Peru to scale the famous Machu Picchu. And then I got stuck in Peru as I missed my flight back. I'm going to do an episode about my travel failures soon, I promise. But anyway, welcome to episode 14 of season 2. My oh my, this season is coming along very, very quickly, but it is a pleasure to have you here. This episode is called Selling with Confidence, and I'm joined this week with the awesome Matt King from Sales Change. So firstly, I'm going to start by saying a huge thank you to Matt, because this episode was our second recording due to some audio issues in the first recording. As Matt will say in this episode, he says it's his fault, but I don't blame him because I had some issues on the second recording. Yeah, (laughs) I think we were recording this during the time when my laptop broke. So I lost some audio files. So Matt sounds delicious. He sounds really good in this episode. And I just sound like it's a normal Zoom recording. But it's still uh, pleasant to hear. So don't worry. It is still a really good episode. And it is filled with gold, as always, as most episodes are. I truly think it's a great topic to explore because we sell every day, whether it's ourselves, our products, or even in our relationships. But not everyone is confident in selling. So Matt has come along, he's joined me for a great discussion on how we can sell with confidence. And if you follow Matt on Instagram, he has a fantastic platform teaching and inspiring people to succeed in business and close more sales. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Also, along with this episode, I've also created a free ebook called 10 Simple Tips to Sell with Confidence. And you can download it for free. It's simple tips that I've implemented in my own business. And we also discuss a few of these tips on this podcast episode. It's completely free, and I hope that it will help you create the confidence to sell more in your business. It's free, it's in the show notes, and go download it now. As always, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and a rating so it gets shared to more listeners. Thank you for listening to this episode, and enjoy the episode with Matt King. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Unlocked. Today, I have Mr. Matt King from Sales Change. Hello, Matt, how are you doing? I'm all right, Ricky. How are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. Very well. And I think we'll we'll be honest and uh, humble. Is that the word? Or we'll be honest and open, shall we? And just say that yeah, this is our second time recording this. So thank you very much to Matt. He's a very kind gentleman because I'm I'm quite a lazy man. So I think if I was asked to record something to us, I'd probably say no. So Matt has kindly agreed to re-record this because the first it was my fault, though, Ricky. It was my fault. Well, <laughs> well, it's every day's a school day, isn't it, mate? We're all learning, and it was a great episode, wasn't it? So we're going to have to try to repeat it. It was a fantastic episode. What I try to do is dress the same as well. I know the the (laughs) listeners won't know this, but I'm wearing the same T-shirt. I I have washed it in between uh, episodes, but yeah, I'm wearing the same (laughs) get-up as well, just to make the video continuity work. That's right, yeah. Well, after, yeah, I hope you wash it after two months, Matt. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so for Matt, um, yeah, thank you for coming on. It was a really great episode, but we had a slight little audio issue. So thanks, mate, for coming back. Are you well? Are you having a good week so far? I am having a good week. It's what now? Wednesday? No, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so I love Mondays because Mondays are always my busy day of the week. Uh, Tuesdays are the days where I get to just relax, reflect on the week previous, and then start planning for the for the rest of the week. So, yeah, Tuesdays are a good day. Let's put it Great. that way. Oh, good. Well, look, thanks for coming back. And I guess we'll take a deep dive straight into this. We met probably. It's coming up to probably nearly a year now. I think it was June last year. 
for good friends, Alan and Emily. So any more of your bingo cards, you're probably going to get a whole house today. So good luck to you because there's a few corkers in this episode. You might get a line at least. But Alan and Emily, good friends from Yellow Tuxedo. We were involved together, Matt, for the Yellow Magic Hour. And I believe it was called Building Trust to Get More Sales. You came on as a speaker and that was the first time I kind of met you. And I kind of fell in love with you because of the, the whole Harvard review um, business, uh, the trust equations. That's where we kind of met. But Matt, let's tell everyone, who are you and what do you do? Uh, so I am a sales coach, um, but I'm also a creative sales coach. So if people who follow me on Instagram, I create very attractive Instagram carousel posts all around the topic of sales. Uh, I also help businesses grow. So for the last five, uh, 15 10 years, 10 years I've been working in businesses and growing their sales teams. So um, I like collaborating, networking and just building sales teams, really. That's what I do. Um, it's all about sales. That's my kind of fun. Yeah, I love that. And you are a carousel king, as they say on Instagram. And if you can check out Matt's Instagram handles, we'll put the, uh, the link in the show notes. His content is amazing. And we're going to talk about his Instagram growth because over the last well, it's just over 12 months now. He's had an amazing journey in growing his Instagram channel and his content is amazing. So we'll come on to that a little bit later on. But Matt, I guess the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you today was all about sales. It's something that's been in my past. But something that we shared before was that we kind of use sales every single day, whether we are selling an idea, having a conversation with someone, we're always trying to sell ourselves. But I think one of the conversation that will add value to our listeners is about the confidence in sales, because not everyone is confident in selling. We've seen a perception of those sleazy sales door-to-doors or PPI calls. But I'd love to take a deep dive into this, Matt, about the key challenges to selling. What do you say is some of the key challenges to selling and why people are not very confident at it? I would say it goes down to mindset, Ricky. Um, and you're married. No, you're not married. You're engaged. I found that I'm, out. I'm trying, Matt. I'm, I'm really trying, but Boris just keeps moving the goalpost. So as soon as he does, I'm on my third postponement now. I think the last time we spoke, it was coming up to my second. Um, it's now on our third postponement. So fingers crossed soon, mate. Yeah. 2059. 20, uh, that's that's the year. But you yeah. live you live with your partner, right? Yes. Yeah. So you've literally sold yourself to your partner. Uh, you've sold her the dream. I've sold my wife the dream. They have bought into what we have created, which is our little family unit. That's selling, in essence. You're, you're bringing somebody along for the journey and making them feel that they're part of it. Um, the mindset around sales instantly, like you said, brings up the images of PPI salesmen or car salesmen, used car salesmen. Come and see the, the old Ford Fiesta at the back of the lot. I'll sell it to you even though you don't need it. That's That's not selling. That's like just berating people until they make a decision. Mm. Selling is solving a problem. So I always use an analogy that if you see a house on fire, uh, it's your obligation to go into that house to go and help them put that fire out. That's exactly what sales is. If you see a problem within somebody else's business and you see problems at wedding fairs, you want people to have entertainment and they, yeah. you see problems such as, I don't know, the, the period between the reception, uh, the, the wedding and the reception, that's that's the problem that you're solving. It's your obligation to go and speak to those people and say, look, I can solve this problem for you. So when you flip it and think of it in that kind of way, actually selling is just helping people. And it's overcoming that mindset that is the that is the biggest problem for some people. Yeah, I totally agree that. Yeah, it, it's we've talked about this before with the idea of selling the scissor, not the steak. And I think a lot of people are selling the steak and getting confused with it where it, you're absolutely right. It's like a marketing thing, isn't it? You're solving it a problem. Like classic marketing, people sell kettles because you want a cup of tea. And it's the idea that you need to solve that problem. And I've seen it, Matt, yeah, in, in, in wedding fairs and in the wedding industry, 
you have this open and closed question dialogue, which is predominantly closed questions. Hello there. Are you getting married? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere, does it? You know. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The open questions are always the way to go when you're whenever you're trying to sell something. Remember, selling is about them, not about you. You're not trying to sell your product. You're trying to solve their problem. So yeah. when you're asking questions, you're trying to dig deeper and always go like, uh, "When are you getting married?" Oh, we're not getting married. Oh, what what are you doing at the wedding fair then? So you're yeah. you're trying to understand the 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 deeper meaning of what their problem is. And and once you've identified that problem, I mean, we spoke about this on the last podcast, but you spend yeah. what, 10, 20 minutes talking to a prospect or talking to the people that are we- yeah. at the wedding fairs before you actually pitch to them yeah. because you're qualifying them. You're making sure that they want to buy your service. You're what they want to understand. You want to understand actually, will will my service fit with them and will they be a good fit for me? Yeah. I'm I'm sure you wouldn't do a wedding fair at an undesirable location, a wedding <laughs> party at an undesirable location. So you need to make sure that yeah. you're a good fit for them yeah. as well as them being a good fit for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And this kind of makes me think about the uh, I shouldn't really name them and uh there are other companies around do as it. well. But Curries and PC World. Yeah, Curries and PC World. So here's the thing about brand trust as well, Matt, which is something we could also discuss about the idea of I've probably not been in a Curry's, well, at least for 12 months because of COVID, but I probably haven't been in Curry's for a long time. But my perception is from the experience from years and years ago. And everybody says it when you talk to them, you take a step into the door and someone pounces on you going, hello, there, can I help you? You think, whoa, hang on a minute. Just give me a minute, mate. Just let me get in. And it's that idea again of closed questions. And that perception lasts for a long time. And I've seen it at wedding fairs where it's a case of, here's a fly, take a fly. You know, here's a fly, here's a fly. Well, hang on, I don't want a bloody fly. What, what are you doing? I'm just walking here, you know. And exactly to what your point was, Matt, that selling the sizzle, not the steak. For me, I go up to people and I say, hello, how are you? Are you well? You know, welcome to the wedding fair. Are you having a great time? Yeah, that is a close question. But it's building that rapport to kind of understand who they are. If there's someone, like you said, that's just like, no, uh, we're not getting married. We just, just thought we'd get crash. Come have a look around to lovely venues. So we just thought we'd have a walk around. Then maybe I don't really want to spend 20 minutes with that person because what's the point of me selling my pitch? And they say, oh, I'm sorry, Ricky, we're not actually getting married. Oh, you're not? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I'm just wasting Well, we got married last week, Ricky. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely right. It's about that idea, isn't it, of building rapport. But I guess for Matt, you are you work in a, a business where you are obviously constantly selling. So rapport is quite a big thing. I think that also people struggle with confidence in that. What would you say is some great tips to help people build rapport? I would say, that's a great question, Ricky. This was one that I wasn't prepared for. Yes, you've done very, very yeah. well. This is curveball <laughs> from the last episode. You've really thrown it. So tips to build rapport. Just have a com- just have a bloody conversation. Just speak to people as if they're a human being. I mean, we talked about on the last podcast about, and we used wedding fairs as a specific example. Yeah. But you can't build rapport from behind a table. So if you're sat there with a piece of paper, and I'll do it for everybody who's watching on the video. Yeah. If you've got your, your piece of paper and you're reading about your own services and you're, you're sat there like this, no one's going to approach you. Yeah. You need to be an approachable human being. I guarantee that if you stood in front of the table, put the flyers down and made eye contact with people straight away as soon as they walked up towards your your table or your pitch or whatever you're trying to do, that eye contact, that immediate sort of, you need to lower their defenses and make it not feel like a pitch. So yeah. have, a, have a conversation, do exactly what you said. Hi, you're right. How you doing? Yeah. You've been here long? Feet tired yet? That type of cracker joke, make them feel at ease. Yeah. And then just say, what are you here for? Um, what, what, yeah. 
brought you here today. So yeah. that type of just have a bloody conversation, be a human being yeah. and and go into that conversation without the expectation to make a sale. Mm. Because when you go into the conversation with an expectation, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bloody close these people, <laughs> yeah. the customer will pick up on that immediately and they'll yeah. know that you're trying to pitch them. That's why when we go into a used car sales lot, we know they're trying to pitch to us. That we know they're trying to offload the back of the the full Fiesta at the back of the car lot. We we know that instantly, and it's it's this innate belief and this like inner feeling that actually these people can't be trusted. Yes. But if you're if you're genuinely going into a conversation with just the all you want to know is what they're there for, whether you can help them, and just to, just to befriend them, they pick up on that as well, and that their guard goes down. And then when they see that you're you're not a threat and you can actually help them that's when they'd be more receptive to the sale. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And it's something that we've shared before and it's coming up in an upcoming episode with Steve McDermott about the four minute rule about you have between seven to 17 seconds to create a first impression. And this was proven by some science done many, many years ago where they did a uh, experiment in the street but they got people to dress up as like a jury and they all sat together and they just put people in front of them. And just depending on just first impressions alone, you had to decide if they were guilty or not guilty, like a courtroom uh, situation. The science proved that if you have a symmetrical face, uh, i.e. as in like a very uh, handsome, attractive person like my, my good sir here, Matt, then you are more likely to say okay. that they are not guilty. If you will, someone in that has an asymmetrical face, i.e. as probably not symmetrical and probably ugly, you're more likely to say straight away that they are guilty. And that's without hearing anything. And then what happens in a, and this is true, in a real courtroom environment, if you're on a jury, once you've made that first impression, the filter goes up and then all you hear for the rest of that court is things that are going to support that thinking. So that first impression is really key and this is proven and it's controversial, I know, but Ted Bundy, a very attractive and charming man, right? Everybody thought there's no way, there's no way he did all these crimes. He's, he's a, a lovely, charming man. Everyone said, yeah, great guy, lovely guy. I talked to him down the street. It turns out he was a bloody nightmare, wasn't he? A bloody monster, wasn't he? Horrible person. And when you think about Netflix as well, uh, Making of a Murderer, probably about five or six years ago, yeah, Stephen yeah. Avery, big, big guy, kind of, uh, I think, from the south of America, instantly stereotyping him to go, yeah, he's dumb, his IQ is terrible. He, he did the murder, definitely. And it turns out, maybe, well, I don't think we really know, do we, what actually happened, but it's that perception. What is your personal opinion, yeah. Ricky? Do you think he did it? I don't think he did, no. No, I don't think he I did. I don't think he did either. But I think I don't. I didn't watch series two though, to be honest, because series one was so gripping. I didn't really watch series two. Um, series two, yeah. series two goes way, way deeper. And oh, you, does it? Oh, you start to see a little bit more, a um, little bit more corruption. Maybe um, I need to then, but and there then is I can make my decision. Yeah, <laughs> but it is very well edited to give you that perception that. Yeah. And this goes again, editing, yeah. um, and you can edit conversations and edit uh, emails and all this type of stuff to give an impression and create this persona or create this feeling around something which can sell it. So I think yeah. you, you on the last podcast, you touched about a first impression that you had when you went into a store and yeah. you, met, you met a general manager, was it? Or, or yeah. somebody who, oh, God, tell yeah. me that story sure, again, because sure. that was, yeah. So I was uh, booked to do some training. So long story short, I was actually in the wrong store. Oh, no, this was a different experience. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> there was this big hoo-ha about obviously getting to the store. So picture this. I'm traveling around the country doing these wonderful workshops many years ago. And I turn up Those at this store. Days. <laughs> this was, yeah, I know. Do you remember that? Uh, this was a <laughs> store where I should have been there. So I was in the correct store. I knew that. And I turned up. I started setting up the room. I signed in and everything like this. And then what happened was I started setting up. One of the colleagues for the session came in. And I said, oh, lovely to meet you. I shook their hand and... 
I can't remember that. Shaking hands with people. Yeah, so shook her hand and uh, she sat down and said, great to see you. And then the security guard just barges in through this little, it was kind of like a fishbowl. It was like next to the staff room. So fishbowl kind of area. It said training room. He walks in and he goes, uh, who are you? Uh, and what are you doing in the store? I went, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> a bit weird, but I went, hey, my name's Ricky. Uh, good to see you. I am a trainer from head office. I'm here to do a session today with the, the Birmingham store. Right. Okay. Well, I've got the store manager on the shop floor. He's asking, who are you and what are you doing here? All oh, right. Okay, great. <laughs> I said, well, again, my name is Ricky. I'm supposed to be here. I said, look, I've got it on an email if he needs to check. He went, okay, right. Well, he's probably going to come see you. I went, great. Okay. I'm thinking, what the bloody hell? Hang on. This is my first impression of this store anyway. So I carry on setting up the room. And then again, this guy, he walks in and I can't remember the store manager's name now, but with these doors, they had a glass window. Call him Brian. See. Yeah. <laughs> well, he walked straight in. Walked straight in, give me a little nod, went like that, walked past me, went to my flip chart, moved it about half a metre, then stood on his hips looking at it, and then turned to me and went, who are you? What are you doing in my store? I went, what the fuck? You know, who are you? You know, and, uh, you know, clearly he's been an alpha male there. He's walking in, not giving me any attention, moving the flip chart to stamp his authority to say, you're in my store. This is my territory, mate. Yeah. So I immediately went the opposite way. So back in my old sales days, when someone gets a bit irate, you go the opposite way and get a bit softer. I went, yeah, hi, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Ricky. Good to see you. Yeah, I'm from head office. And I, I naturally did that on purpose, not to piss him off. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, who the hell are you? You know, talk, talk to me like this, right? I went, yeah, yeah, my name's Ricky. I'm here to do a session in Birmingham. Right, well, I didn't know about that. I went, oh, right, okay, it's all been booked in. Well, well who booked that in? And I went, oh, let me show you. So I took him over to my laptop. Showed the official email, and thankfully, it was the right store. I should have been there. And he went, oh, right, okay. Oh, yeah, you are supposed to be here. And I went, oh, okay, well, if you need anything, let me know. Oh, you fucking what? You know, off. you know, so that kind of thing. But <laughs> it was that first impression. But this is what it's done. That first four-minute rule, he broke it. That first impression between seven to 17 seconds, he had a good chance to recover that up to four minutes, but he didn't. He moved the flip chart, stamped his authority, yeah, 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 yeah like that. But now, what do I do? I now think about that store as a terrible place to be. The rest of that store could be absolutely brilliant. The colleagues could be delivering absolutely exceptional customer service, but I'm never going to go there again. And if someone says to me, should we pop into that store? I'd be like, no, because it was a terrible experience. So brand trust goes out the window. So one of the things there, Matt, to link is with about trust. And I know that we both love the trust equation and you have a bit of a different equation. You have the proper one and I have a slightly more simplified version for my own thinking. But what's the trust equation? And yes, yeah, so mine's from Charles Green. Charles Green is the guy's name. Um, and for those of you who are watching the podcast, Ricky's bouncing back and laughing because what you haven't seen is that we've just edited out about five minutes. However, <laughs> yes, the trust yes. equation that I like is um, trust equals credibility plus reliability, plus intimacy, and that's all above self-interest. So you could take credibility as like the words that we speak and how we act, and a credible person has experience. Reliability comes down to the actions that we take. So if we say that we're going to do something that, and we actually do it, then we become a reliable person. And then the intimacy is what we talked about previously, which is getting to know somebody and how much you can trust them. Uh, so if you told me a secret, how would you trust me with that secret or would I blurt it out, that type of thing? Yeah. And that is all underpinned or cancelled out, if you like, by self-interest. So if the first thing that we talk about when we go into a sales call is how much commission we're going to make, that's all serving ourselves. And that instantly erodes the trust that we're trying to build with the prospect. Yeah. So if you can build credibility, reliability and intimacy without under undermining that whole equation with your own self-interest, 
yeah. then you're on to a winner and you can get more sales. Totally agree. And there's a side topic here I'm just thinking about when I think about like speakers on stage, some of the best speakers in the world do not come on stage talking about their their accreditations. You know, I've seen speakers come on stage and say, hi, everybody, my name's Ricky and I have a PhD in philosophy and I have a master's degree in forensic science and all this. And that's just telling your audience, right, okay, why, you know, the best speakers I've seen is where they don't reveal that self-interest and they just share an idea or share something and you instantly start to connect with them because they feel relatable. Me walking onto a stage and saying, yes, I have a PhD in this and I'm an award-winning wedding magician, you're like, all right, big Ed, what? All right. And you start to lose that trust straight away. Like you don't need those creditations to prove that you are a trustworthy source. And I think like that guy, in my experience, he was stamping his authority. I'm the store manager. Who are you? Well, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm just a normal guy. I could have been the CEO. I could have been a new director and what he would have done had been ruined. And I would have sacked him if I had. Yeah. But yeah. it just stamped all of that for it. But yeah, so Matt, I, I'm the same this, and I love this. And I have a great similar equation from my good pal, Matt Edwards. When we were training, we had a simplified version, which was C plus R minus SI equals trust. So it's taken out a bit of the equation. And it's the idea of credibility plus reliability minus self-interest equals trust. And I have a great example of this with the idea of Jack Sparrow. So Matt, I take it you know who Jack Sparrow is. All right, for sure. All right, good on you. Why are pirates <laughs> called pirates, Matt? Because they are. They are. So credibility, Matt. Oh, God, I have to do some editing on this one, don't I? So credibility, Matt. Credibility. So if you were to imagine Jack Sparrow right now on a scale of 100%, how credible is he? Would you say he looks like a pirate? Yes. Yeah, would you say he walks like one? Definitely. Yeah, talks like one, dances like one, gets drunk like one. So you'd probably say 100%. If I was to ask you how reliable is Jack Sparrow from what we see in the films, most people would probably say, not very. He's always drunk. He's late. He always causes commotion and, and lots of problems. Probably say 20% maybe, right? How much self-interest does he have in himself? Thousands and thousands of percent. It's all about him. So let's just say 100%, right? So if we did the maths, 100% plus 20 is 120. Minus that self-interest, which is 100, equals 20. Therefore, 20% of trust. Would you trust Jack Sparrow? Probably not. And this is why I think it's really important that whenever you are, like like we've chatted before, you know, selling me at wedding fairs, it's about, hey, I'm having a conversation first and building rapport. And it's that whole thing about bringing back down to the why factor of what am I here to do? Hey, how are you? Great. Oh, good to see you. Fantastic. I'm glad you enjoyed the wedding fair. Tell me about your wedding plans. How's it going? Yeah, we've been engaged for 20 years now. Oh, really? Wow. Well, you know, and uh, we're looking to do this. We're looking to do that. Oh, great. Fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Have you thought? Oh, great. Did you see the photographer? Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, great. Ah, so what is it you do, Ricky? Oh, yeah, great. Yeah. So, well, let me tell you what I do for you is I'm going to create an amazing experience for you. It's going to be an experience that's so amazing that all of your guests will be talking about your wedding long after it's finished. And did you know what? When you go off and have your photos and that low time when everybody's standing around talking about the weather, work, when the food's ready, and probably COVID for the next couple of years, you'll have peace of mind that all of your guests will be having a bloody great time. And they'll go into the wedding breakfast feeling relaxed, we'll break the ice, and they'll be talking about your wedding long after it's finished. How do I do that? Oh, yeah, I'll just bring a pack of cards. That's it. <laughs> now, the, the difference of why I've said that is because I think a lot of people get hung up, don't they, on the pack of cards thing. This is what I do. Well, actually, it's not what you do. Let me show I'm you a trick. Sizzle. You got it. Yeah. 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 
that's it. Yeah. I want to pick up on something you just said then. It was really important. Yeah. But when you went through your pitch or your spiel, the fir- one of the first things you said was, have you seen the photographer? He's really good, isn't he? Yeah. And what you're doing there is you're lowering that self-interest barrier because you're you're there to help. You're he- you're there to refer people. And this is why I love networking and collaborating with people because yeah. when you network and, and go into something, like I, I host uh, You Are The Media Learning. I, I went on the Yellow Magic Hour with Alan and Emily. My intention on that was not to promote sales, change the brand. It wasn't there. To, I'm not there to promote myself or try and sell my services. I'm there purely to, to help people and to, to bring people into their community from my community and, and vice versa. But what that does is it lowers people's barriers because then they get this natural sense that actually this guy isn't about selling his own services. He's there to help. There comes a point when you do need to commit and create that urgency and that need that's further down the road when people understand who you are and what you're about and yeah. and they understand your why yeah. but it's very very important and and let's take an example of uh, i see a plague at the moment of linkedin messages or instagram dms yeah. of people just connecting with you saying hey bro uh, be really good to connect that's on instagram or hi yeah. you're in my network um it'd be yeah. really interesting to connect and understand what you do so that's the first message that you get i guarantee the second message you'll get is hi matt i just noticed in your profile um do you have any need for hardwood flooring within your factory? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, yeah. Instantly, the credibility is gone. The self-interest has been ramped way up. You've lost all of the trust, and instantly you've tainted the brand. So, taking it back to the store manager uh, scenario, that's tainted his brand. I'll never work with that company. I've had honestly, yeah. I've had lawnmower repair services. I've had factory doors. I've had floor painting services. All pitched to me. Mm-hmm. and recruitment services all pitched me within the first two or three dms yeah. on linkedin and instagram and it just turns you off a brand yeah if you if you do away with that and send people an article or send people a post which might help them if you understand like if if i said to you, if you said to me ricky i'm really struggling with creating some instagram content and then i sent you a post which said here's 50 instagram ideas yeah. instantly you can see that I'm not there to pitch to you. I'm not there to try and sell to you, but I'm there to try and help you get through to the next stage of your journey. Yeah. That's what we need to be thinking <clears throat> of as selling, not, oh shit, I need to, I need yeah. to get my revenue up this month. Yeah. Because that's all self-serving. Yeah. It's a bigger picture thing, isn't it? Rather than the short term yeah. thing. And you know, my example, of this would be recently I did a confidence on camera session, uh, 23 people signed up and we had a, a fantastic 17 people came and I talked to them about all the things that I do presenting on camera and doing stuff. And there was no pitch at all. The only interest there, there is a self-interested piece, I guess, but it's the bigger picture of, hey, you might come to this and you might like me. You might think that I'm all right and you might want to stick around to see what more I've got. And then one day, maybe you might want to purchase something from me. But hey, it's free. By the way, it's free. There's nothing. And, you know, that was the whole thing that I genuinely wanted to help people. I was seeing people on Instagram and doing stuff like, um, uh, um, uh, you know, and I thought, right, well, I can help this. So look, come along, you know, come along. And uh, well, I've got a great tip in, Matt, actually. I'll share this if you want. It's a really fun tip, actually. And I just basically help people. And it's like, hey, you know, stick around. If you like me, then look, come join my podcast. You know, it's a great thing. We talk about sales. We talk about some fun stuff. And it's just that idea of that, hey, I'm not here to sell anything. And like you say, Matt, yes, we all need money. But it's not about getting out there straight away isn't it and um, dick measuring contest it's of, working yeah. from a position of abundance and when you believe yes. that everybody is a potential customer not just the select few that show an interest in your brand yeah then actually you, you you if you think 
in those terms, you're actually only trying to pitch to three or four people because those are the ones that have shown your interest. Yeah. Where actually you should be pitching to the 28 billion people, however, 68 million people in this country. You should be pitching to all of those rather than just the three or four people that show an interest. And when you've yeah. got that mindset and understand that actually you can help more people just by showing up and being yourself and showing up and helping as many people as possible... I, I guarantee that you'll get more business because you've helped somebody do something and they will refer you to somebody else and then they'll say, I mean, we, we've we spoken before, a common interest of ours is Dan Thomas on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Dan Thomas turns up and shows people behind the scenes of his business. He turns up and shows people how he does stuff. How I met Dan Thomas was he had 200 followers, but he was holding an Instagram live between me and him, just an Instagram live. I wasn't on his live. It was just him talking to the camera. But he was talking about applications that you can use to edit podcasts on your phone. Yeah. And I was and I was in the stage of creating my podcast and I was thinking, oh, I could bloody do it on my phone. I could do it on the train. I could when we used to be allowed to go on trains. <laughs> yeah. um, I could do all of this. And that's how he built the trust because actually he wasn't pitching Social Boom, which is his company. He was just pitching this is a great app that you can use for podcast editing, which is what yeah. I do on my Instagram. And mm. when I'm I'm not harvesting followers, but I'm growing quite fast. What I'm doing is I'm just trying to spread the message far and wide. And the more people that see me, the more exposure I get. And the more exposure I get, the more opportunities I've got. Mm. That's ultimately what you should be seeing social media as, not as a, a way that you can make money. It should be just exposure for your brand. It's the top of funnel stuff. Yeah, It's, yeah. The, it's the A in AIDA. So mm. it's the attention and then they get the interest and then they, you build the desire and then they take action. So yeah. all of that attention stuff is what we should be doing on social media. All the other stuff is what we should be doing with our websites and with our in-person chats and getting them onto Zoom calls and having telephone conversations. But it's, that's the bit that people miss. They, they see the, the A bit, the attention bit, as the bit that should occur naturally. But that's where you've got to put yeah. the effort in. You've got to put the effort in creating attention. And you do that by helping as many people as possible. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I've saved, you know, I probably about five or six of your posts, I think from Instagram, you know, a couple more from Dan Thomas. And that makes me want to go back to it. So I might go back and go, bloody hell, yeah, that was a real piece of content. I want to stick around because he's give me something that's helped me, you know, and I, I like and trust. And then you find that attention and go, yeah, I think I want to stick around. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And well, there's a thing here before we go on to the Instagram thing about listening, which was the idea of that selling the sizzle of the steak rather than me just saying, hey, book me, I'm a magician, but why do I need a magician? Well, I'm just bloody awesome, that's why. It's not about that, it's about listening to the issue, and I think that people are putting their their own intentions, that self-interest, before actually listening to the situation. And I think there's a lot of that because people want to kind of talk about themselves, you know, which, which is fine, it's fair enough, but there is a point where you have to take a step back and actually listen. And I don't know if you've seen that, Matt, a lot of companies, when they're set, well, you clearly said the example, mate, where they've just said, hey, do you want to see some hardwood flooring? Hang on a minute. They've not even spoken to you or listened to you or, or heard your problem, have they? But Matt, what, what do you think about listening in terms of sales? So I think there's a perception here that sales is all about closing. Um, and then because one of the biggest pain points that I hear from people when they come on and say, I'm, I'm having real problems closing all these clients what their actual problem is, is they're not listening to the buying signals. They're not listening to the pain points clear enough, and they're not identifying what the problem is. So I, I created an Instagram post maybe two or three weeks ago about the perception of a successful sales call. And I put listening, <clears throat> the perception of a sales call, listening just being 10% of that 
of that call. Yeah. 45% of it being closing. We've got to always be closing, proper <clears throat> Gordon Gecko stuff. Um, and then only 20% and 25% sort of talking about features and asking questions. When in reality, a successful sales call, you're talking listening is about 75% of what we should be doing. We should yeah. be asking those open leading questions to get the information out of the customer, but listening to it, but actively listening. So actually taking that information on board, understanding what the problems are, and then going a next level deeper, then the next level deeper. So when somebody when somebody yeah. says to me, oh, I'm really struggling with closing how many deals, uh, this X amount of deals, what I do is then I say, well, how many, how many calls have you been making? Mm. Oh, well, I'm only making 10 calls. And how, how many of those are you closing? Oh, I get about two closes out of that. So instantly, I've got a way that they can create twice as much yeah, twice as many deals. Make twice as many bloody calls. Yeah, that's the instant thing that we can do. We can increase the activity. So it's about understanding. And what I did there was I asked the first question: What's the main What's the main point pain point? Mm. Oh yeah, it's, it's closing. Then I asked the question again: Oh, how many mm -hmm. deals you make it? Then I asked the question again. So asking three questions around the same subject matter. Yeah. But what I'm doing is I'm listening to the response, and what I'm getting is a different pain point at the end of it. They're not doing enough activity, which isn't anything to do with closing it's actually to do with how much their effort they're putting into the sales call yeah. so it's about listening more and talking less which is mm -hmm. what i should be doing on this podcast really well, <laughs> well you are right though matt you are absolutely right and oh, am I I thanks about, ricky <laughs> are, yeah well i'm thinking about you know i think you did a piece on this recently which is about ghosting and it can be yeah. really frustrating when you think you've sold the perfect dream and then you just don't hear anything back but there's also a bit of empathy there, isn't there? That like there could be something genuine why they've not replied. It could be it could be a serious thing. You know, maybe they've, they've had like COVID or something. But I think one of the things you mentioned before in the ghosting thing, and I've seen this before, where my business model works, where I, I don't display my prices on my website. And the reason being is because I want to separate a an audience. I, I don't kind of believe in the ideal client avatar, but I do believe there are certain people that I would prefer to work with probably more than others. However, the reason I do that is so that I can get on the phone first to have a conversation to listen about their day. The customers that get in touch and say, hey, uh, what's your prices for a wedding? Oh, hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you getting married? You get married in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, where, you know, where are you getting married? Um, where as I can have a conversation, they fill out that information, and I can find, probably do some research about the venue and have a conversation and then tailor that to them. But I had to change my business model at Christmas time because of online shows where it just wasn't feasible to just pick up the phone. I actually lost the sale. Now, this is the difference, I think, between price and experienced customers, where the experienced customers are the ones that, hey, Ricky, I've been following you on Instagram for years and years. Love what you do. We're hoping you're free on the 24th of June next year. Please let us know. They've not said anything about price or budget. They want to know I'm free and they want me part of their day. So they're probably prepared to wait for a call or even pay my price. The price customers that come in are the ones that say, uh, Ricky, what's your prices? I'm on a budget. You know, can you do this? Well, hang on a minute, you know. But one of the things I was going to say was that the Christmas thing I had to do was that I didn't have time and I lost a sale for a corporate company for because I used that same model. So I used the model of they got in touch and I said, hey, we'd love to have a chat with you because they didn't provide a phone number. Love to find out more about your event. You know, how many people you got? 500 people, 1,000 people, whatever. She didn't get back to me. So then I followed up again the next day and she went, oh, hi, Ricky. Sorry, we just went with someone else that got back to us quicker and we booked them. All right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, right? So I realized at that point that maybe they were just looking for a quick budget option or a quick price. Okay, brilliant. But I changed my business model because I thought, 
I don't want to be missing out on opportunities like this. So I thought, well, look, I'll just send them all the information that they want. But I realized after hindsight of doing that, that it's not really solving the problem because I'm still not finding out about their solution, uh, what I can provide for them. And the ghosting that I had had quite a lot of in January, and that's because I was just sending them the information, but not really hearing what they need or what they want. And therefore I lost that out. In my mind, I start thinking, oh, you know, all that. But actually it's probably my fault. And I didn't take that accountability to really learn and listen what they want. And if I'd have probably taken that time, maybe I would have got more bookings. But I See, think, Matt. Um, oh, sorry, go on, buddy. So there's two trains of thoughts here, Ricky. There's um, so yeah. what you're what you're struggling with there is a transactional salesperson who purely deals with price. And if yeah. you say, "Oh, my two-hour events are this," or "My one-hour event is this," it's up to thirty people. That's brilliant. That's what that's transactional. Yeah. Or you've got a consultative salesperson who understands what what the person needs, what they what their budget is, uh, how long they want the event to go on for. You were trading before as a consultative salesperson. And what you try to do, and I see a lot of like social media agencies do this. One of the classic questions that a social media agency or, or marketing agency will get is, how much for a logo? But you don't know how big the logo, how, how much design work's got to go into it. But you'll yeah. get a lot of inquiries saying, how much the logo? And what you've tried to do is you've tried to marry the two and give yeah. give like off the shelf options. And I ran a workshop for Dorset Growth Hub maybe um, four or five weeks ago now. And we had a Q and A session at the end. And one of the questions that we had was uh, from from a, a manufacturing company. And they based and one of the question the question was, how do I stop customers just asking for the price? Well, customers will always ask for the price, but what you've got to do is bat that back. And you're always gonna you're always always gonna lose sales for the people who course, like you yeah. said. The people, the corporate clients who just want to book something, but tick a box, isn't it? That's it, tick a box. Exactly. And but what you're doing there is you're pre-qualifying. You don't want those people who just exactly. want to tick a box. You want to create an experience, and you want to have yes. people who are bought into your brand. Because when they're bought into your brand, the corporate people who book your slot are not going to refer you to because it was easy. Yeah, they're not going to refer you because they can instantly click a box and pay by credit card, and then you you're booked into your calendar straight away. Yeah, they're never going to refer you for that. But what the people who book you for an online wedding show or online event or, yes. or a wedding show, when they've got that experience and they understand, actually, Ricky took the time to listen to exactly what we wanted. We knew, he knew that we didn't want any anything to do with flowers because our mother-in-law's got an, a, a flower phobia. Yeah, yeah. When when you when they've got all of that information and they know that you've created this experience for them, yeah, that's building a fan of your business, and that fan will then refer you on and on and on and on. Yes, so it's a ripple, it's doesn't it? Yeah, and it's where you want to position yourself as a business and as a brand. So if you want to position yourself as transactional and you can – because I, I know a lot of magicians yeah. or children's entertainers, let's say, who will do a three-hour package for 400 quid. There you go. And it's take it or leave it. And then what happens is it becomes a race to the bottom because then you'll have a children's entertainer who will do yes. a four-hour show for 350 quid. Yes. And then you'll have a children's entertainer who will do it for 200 quid. And yeah. then you're trading with somebody who's just been doing it for a week who will go, oh, I'll do it for 100 quid. I've got, yeah. I've got a pack of fags and a, and a, yeah. and a wamba. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. going to get magic out of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you're so, absolutely right. Yeah. Well, it goes down to that story, doesn't it? I can't remember who it was who said it about the the idea of like a, an electrician or a plumber walking around a factory. And then um, he's just walking around. He gets the hammer out and just bangs a pipe and goes, yeah, okay, I'll send you my invoice. Sends the invoice. It's a thousand pounds. And the guy goes, bloody hell. All he did was just get a hammer out. Went, yeah, well, let me break that down, shall I? Five pounds for the hammer and 995 pounds for the 15 years experience that I've built creating my expertise. And you, you're right, Matt. Yeah, I, I, 
I am absolutely doing that. I shouldn't be getting hung up on that because I want to work with the people that are creating that experience. Yeah. And it's always going to happen, isn't it? You know, I've done it in the past where I might go to a different shop just because it's not the price that I want to pay. But I think sometimes it's we take Amazon it too effect. personal. Yeah. Yeah. We, we take Amazon it too personal, effect. don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. now, if they want to find, if they want to buy something and I do it instantly, if I yeah. wanted to buy, let's say an, a mouse for my Apple Mac, the first place I will look is not Apple. The first place I will look is Amazon because yeah. I'll get it tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to order it through Apple and then wait three to five days for it to be in stock in store and then me go and collect it. The yeah. first place I will look for anything. And this goes for in store as well. If I go into a store and I see a set of Lego that my son wants for Christmas, I won't buy it there and then. I'll scan the barcode in Amazon to see how yeah. much it is, see if it's yeah. cheaper, and whether I can get it delivered the next day, even though yeah. I can pick it up there. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Yeah, it's the Amazon effect. Yeah, it's absolutely, and, and that makes it harder, doesn't it, to try and sell yeah. your worth, doesn't it, to people? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love this, Matt. Oh, we're going into some territory we've not covered before. I like it, Matt. Um, well, I guess <laughs> we should uh, we should move into the, the Instagram growth because one of the things that is is on about trust and stuff is that you've created a massive platform to. Uh, allow people to trust into you and to share your expertise and I, I've loved some of your posts I think uh, your posts look amazing I know that this year after you had a bit of a break for Christmas you've come back and you've just been nailing it and it's kind of like a, a record label stuff so I'll get you to share that bit in a second but tell us about your journey mate on sales change over 12 months, so I I think, 14 months? yeah it's, it's almost been 12 months so I started posting probably April May so I'm coming up to 12 months and I've, I'm just about to I'm about 100 followers away from 9,000. And it's, it's funny because a month ago, it was it we recorded yeah. uh, the last episode, and I was just about to reach 8,000. So it's a, I'm yeah. tracking around about 1,000 followers a month. And I started my Instagram journey, yeah, April last year, 209 followers. Most of them were made up from friends, family, and people that I just knew. Like I was hosting a podcast, so the podcast people were following me. And I thought, this is going to be a fantastic way for me to promote my podcast. And I was trying to get into the way of branding myself and understanding what I could do in an online space to create this brand and this persona. Um, so I started creating these carousels. And I posted on my stories yesterday about a carousel that I created almost a year ago. I was so happy with myself because I'd managed to blur this ATM into a black background and I'd changed the color to green. And I can vividly remember doing it and thinking, I can bloody do this Photoshop stuff. <laughs> yeah. And now I, I knock out a post in sort of 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. But the, the creativity is what brings people back. And it's, and it's sharing the value with no expectation in return. So it bring all of the stuff that we talked about in this podcast. Yeah. My Instagram is just a way for me to showcase what I what my knowledge is, and on on Instagram, right, and and on any social media platform, you can share all the value that you have. So I'm I'm showing to the camera, and I'll <laughs> yeah. try and visually describe it as well. So I've got my two hands up. I'm showing you the the whole cross section of my audience, which is this much. I would say 98% of my audience will never buy anything, and they'll take the free value and go and do it to themselves. Go and do it themselves. But the two percent is the two percent that I'm trying to attract as customers, and those two percent will take the value that I've got and go, God, this guy's really knowledgeable. We need somebody like him to come and work with businesses like us. Those are the people that I'm trying to attract. So I'm quite happy to give away all of the knowledge because they've got the resources and the funds in order to pay for me to come into their business and help them out. So yeah. it's it's about using that abundance. Like I'm I'm looking at my entire audience and thinking I can monetize all I can monetize the shit out of all of you. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm what I'm actually doing is giving them all of the information for free. Because I know that only 2% of them will come to me and say, I need to buy some coaching mm -hmm. services. Or I need to do this. And when you've got that mindset space 
actually, I don't care how many followers I've got. I don't care how many followers I get. My goal this year is to hit 50,000 because it's just a nice number, right? Yeah. I, I've, everyone's got to have a goal. I'm a salesperson. I need to have a target for the year. Um, so 50,000 is the goal for 2021. I'm at, up to about 9,000 now. I can see some growth coming. I can feel it. I can feel the the swell of excitement <laughs> as I hit 10,000. But then I'm going to launch the YouTube. I've got uh, an email marketing um, funnel, if you like to call it that, but an email newsletter that will go out called Sales Change Click. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this stuff builds around the brand. So it's about just building this huge, like enormous monster, which is Sales Change, which didn't exist 12 months yeah. ago. But yeah. the, the amount of opportunities I've had on the back of it has just been unreal. Like yeah. talking on your podcast, yeah. Yellow Magic Hour, Dorset Growth Hub, I've hosted webinars. I've been yeah. asked to guest speak on, on on webinars about sales. Having all of this opportunity is fantastic because it's just elevating my brand. Yeah, and and it's not even my day job. <laughs> yeah, well, well, this is the thing, isn't it? And and I think it came at a really good time because people were uh, losing their business or they were changing their strategy, doing something different, starting a brand new business. And now I reckon you'll probably get a surge of growth because people are now in the, in the UK, especially, are starting to think, panic and go, "Oh crap, I've got two months before things potentially go back to normal." So let me talk again. So those people that have been laying dormant, I think you'll probably get a lot of surge now thinking, shit, I need to follow this guy. I need to listen to this guy. I need a short-term answer quick. And uh, yeah, but Matt, your content's fantastic. And I I know that you inspired me to create carousels and I bloody struggled like hell. found it bloody frustrating. I only used Canva and eventually I used a different tool to cut it because it just didn't line. And I thought, bloody hell, what's going on? You know, but I just love how, I, I always believe the path of least resistance and it's just simple. I love it. It's eye-catching. It just makes you want, it's insightful as well. So I've saved one, which was the one about the, when you don't hear back from people. So that was a really yeah. good post. And it was the idea of, uh, oh no, so it was, it was the one to deal with challenges or, or no's, which is a really great piece, but I, I love it, Matt. And I think that your, your content just, is just rocking mate. Yeah. And you've got that like, kind of record label style now, haven't you? Which looks brilliant. Yeah. So I, I came back in and I've just done a post on this actually. So if you go and check out my Instagram pages at sales change, which is all, all one word. And I, what I did is in January, I came back and I rehashed my style and I actually took, do you know the opening titles from have I got news for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you look at the titles for Have I Got News For You, it's very similar to my aesthetic, the front cover, yeah. the title slides. And all I did was take that kind of style and then create my own because my brand is red. Um, and then what I did was there's a record called um, uh, Regard by Ray. It's a club anthem and it's got a Ministry of Sound barcode with a little Ministry yes. of Sound logo and a little switch in the bottom right-hand corner. So I took that, uh, added my branding, and just created like along the barcode, it says sales change carousel. All of my carousels are now numbered. So I can say, right, carousel 26 is is was yesterday. Yeah. So all of these type of tiny little branding elements have been created along the way. But it's been a, a process of a year. Like you say, you started using Canva. Yeah. I started using Canva mm. probably March last year. But I just couldn't get on with it. it was I felt Canva was too restrictive for me. And I know that Canva has improved massively over the last 12 months because I had a conversation with Dan Thomas about Canva not not yeah. a week ago. But I picked up Photoshop. I paid for the Photoshop um, subscription. Now I can create, not only did I create carousels, I create single posts. I'm now transferring all of that 
content ideas into video. So I do a lot of Instagram reels. Yeah. My YouTube channel will launch, like I just mentioned. So there's going to be four to five minute videos about me talking about how you can open up sales calls, how you can overcome objections. All of this is just, it's just exciting, right? And yeah. I love, I love that people can come and consume content from me about sales because that's what I'm passionate about doing. But it's all for free. You can, it's, mm -hmm. you don't have to pay anything. Just come and check out the channel. Yeah, definitely. So at sales change for everybody to follow. Yes, do it. Fantastic, mate. Fantastic. Well, yeah, congratulations on the growth and good luck to you. I'm sure you're going to hit that number, mate. And I don't think it'll be very long, mate. So good luck to you. Well, Matt, I think as we start to wrap it up for the end of the podcast, there's a couple of questions that I always ask each guest. I'd love to ask you, Matt. We talk about obviously building rapport and building trust and that there's got to be a human element to that. So my question is, how can we make our businesses more human this year? How can we make our businesses more human? So at the start of this pandemic, um, I, I run a business uh, day to day. So I run a valve manufacturing business. And at the start of the pandemic, I made a promise to all of my team that I would not lay anybody off. Everybody would have a job and everybody would be on full pay. Uh, and I've communicated that throughout the year. We've not, we've not let anybody go. We've not, uh, fur I've furloughed people now because the furlough rules have changed. So I can partially furlough people. Yeah. But the main thing that I did throughout the year was communicate and communicate regularly. And what I've also communicated is not my actions about what I'm going to do, but what I'm also thinking about doing. Because it's nothing worse than being a member of staff in a company and they don't know what the management team are thinking. So I, I head up this company who look after, and I look after the United Kingdom and the United States. So all of my staff know exactly what I'm thinking about doing. Because I, I like, for example, when the furlough scheme first started, I, I said to the team, look, I'm thinking about using the furlough scheme and, and letting you all go and, and, and like bringing you all back when it all, we all recover. But then financially, it didn't work because we'd have to pay more than what we would get in furlough support. And it just made sense for us all to stick together. I'm also just yesterday, for example, I communicated to the team how what the latest date is that I'm going to bring everybody back to the office because I want them to have a two, at least two weeks. I'm not Gavin Williamson. I'm not going to say to you tomorrow, you need to go back to school tomorrow uh, <laughs> yeah. and all the teachers need to be supremely ready. I want people to have at least two weeks notice before they come back to work because then they're prepared. They understand that if they've got to get childcare, they can get childcare. So it's all about that communication. So I would say as a company in 2021, especially as we move out of the pandemic and into some sort of normality, that communication is key. Communicate with your staff, communicate yeah. with your customers, communicate till you can't communicate anymore. Uh, but don't just communicate what you're going to do, what you are doing, communicate what you're going to do or what you're thinking about doing, because that's where you humanize the brand and you human, humanize the leadership. And when you humanize a leadership, people know that you're actually just human and that you're not a threat to them. You're not going to suddenly sack them. And then they don't believe that they're a number or just a, a Sorry, my, my printer just switched on for some reason. <laughs> then people don't believe that they're just a number or just a, a salary. They are actually part of a team and they're part of a culture. Like that. Great answer. Thank you, Matt. And I guess probably final question before we share how to find more about you. What would be one tip for listeners of this podcast to grow and maximize their sales this year? Work from a position of abundance. We touched on it in the podcast, but yeah. don't believe that you're pitching to just four or five ideal customers. I'm like you, Ricky. I don't believe in the ideal customer avatar. Yeah. I've never looked that deep into my brand. I believe that you should just be pitching to everybody because 
even people with zero followers on Instagram who don't engage with your content will buy from you if it solves their pain point. Yeah. So my ideal my ideal customer profile would be a 35 to 55 year old man who's running a manufacturing company who wants to sell in five to six years time. He wants to. So if you th- if I thought about it and and went into the minutiae of who my ideal profile is, I only have about 400 followers, I think, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm trying true. to do yeah. is just widen that breadth of of audience work from a position of abundance because actually one of my first clients that I got on Instagram, I'll very quickly tell this story. One of my first clients that I got on Instagram was uh, for a coaching call, one hour coaching call, 85 quid. We'll sit and talk about your sales problems and how we can overcome them. And I'll set you an action plan. One of my first ever customers was a guy from India who I'd never known follow me, had never engaged in any of my content, never sent me a message on Instagram, but he booked three months worth of coaching calls. The day I launched coaching, because he knew that I could solve his problems. And we worked together. He now does my SEO on my website for me for free uh, in return for some sort of guidance that we do. So, but there's a plethora of opportunities out there. And if I just, if I, if I had pitched to him directly, it probably wouldn't have worked. But what I did was create content around what he perceived as to be his pain points. Yeah. And then he bought, which was incredible. And I got sales because it solved in his head what he was struggling with. And people will do that. People will commit. It's an interesting point, isn't it? That I think there's always someone watching, isn't there? So, you know, try not to narrow your your choices and just, you know, just show up and do what you need to do and do what you love because you never know who's watching. Exactly. Yeah. Love that, Matt. Matt, so thanks so much, mate, for coming on to the podcast again. Matt, how can we find more about you? If we want to find out more about you, you got a YouTube channel. Is it out now? So is it coming out? It's not going to be out yet. No. Uh, oh. So the YouTube channel is there, um, but there are zero followers. So if you want to be my first follower, then you can just search sales change and then just click follow. Great. Uh, but the sales, the sales change YouTube will launch probably in about a month's time when I hit 10,000 followers, because then I can do the old swipe up thing on Instagram. Uh, you can check out my Instagram. It's at sales change. It's at sales change on LinkedIn. It's at sales change UK on Facebook. Um, I don't really engage with Facebook though, so I'm not. Facebook's not the main channel, so don't don't go rush there and hope <laughs> that you're going to get all this content because you're not. Uh, so you yeah. can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Matt King, um, or you can check out the website. It's SalesChange.co.uk. Perfect, Matt. Thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming back on again, and good luck and good luck with that growth on that Instagram. Yeah, best of wishes, mate. Take care. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much, Matt, for coming on the show. You're an absolute pleasure to talk to. And for everybody listening, go head over to Instagram. You can follow at SalesChange. And let's get Matt over that 10,000 followers. Don't forget, head to the show notes so you can download my free ebook, 10 Simple Tips to Help You Sell with Confidence. And if you did enjoy this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That would really help out. Thanks for listening. And we'll join you on the next episode of Unlocked. Goodbye.